Hello, and welcome to Simple Pursuit, the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our prayer that you will grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you will be blessed and challenged as you listen in. Grab your Bible, because here is today's teaching. The rest of you, take your Bible and open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, as we continue on with our series, Who's Your One? This morning, we are talking about a story from hell. If you want to create an awkward situation like a Sunday morning where you came and expected to hear uh, warm fuzzies, and an awkward situation says the preacher, let's talk about a story out of hell, then that's it. If you want to turn a situation or a conversation awkward, bring up that topic. It might be awkward if you talk about politics, especially if the other person voted for the other person, could create an awkward situation. Talk about religion could create an, uh, if you're out to stir the pot, it could create an awkward situation. Uh, But certainly, if you were to bring up the subject of hell and eternity in hell, that, that actually might be a conversation stopper. Uh, and you may lose some friends. But the reality is, is it does exist, and Jesus has given us a parable about that situation. We find that in Luke chapter 16. Oftentimes, we'll find that a person's uh, good reputation or their financial prosperity leads them and leads others to assume that that situation is proof of God's blessing. That's not always the case. In this parable, Jesus subverts his listeners' belief about the blessing of God with this parable about the rich man and Lazarus. Although we can be distracted by material things or status in our life, Jesus turns our focus on the seriousness and the sobering reality of what is to come when we breathe our last. And he insisted on this truth that everyone will face two specific eternal destinies, either joy with Christ in heaven or separation from him in hell, where there will be total distress and misery. Separation. I hesitate to say the absence because God's wrath will be present. You will experience that. The concept of hell is a negative relationship to God, said J.I. Packard. He also went on to say this, the reality of hell will be more terrible than the concept. No one can imagine how bad hell will be. Before we read from Luke chapter 16, though, I want to touch on another time in Jesus' life in Matthew 25. You don't need to turn there. Just listen and look it up later. But here Jesus is talking about the realities of what is to come when he says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. It simply says that there's coming a day, a great judgment where God will separate the sheep from the goats. It's as plain as simple as that. Those who are in Christ are the sheep. Those who are not in Christ are the goats. Some, those that are in Christ will go into everlasting life. 
in heaven with him forever where God's the reward and others will then go into eternal punishment to a place called hell. Those who are separated to punishment will be there and realize that they, were, they, they sentenced themselves by loving darkness rather than the light of Christ. Choosing sin rather than the righteousness of Christ. And we come to a scripture in Luke chapter 16 now where I'll ask you to stand as I read it. Where we find a picture and a parable that Jesus is trying to get this point across to us. The importance and the seriousness and the weight of this decision. Verse 19, I'll read through verse 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. And if we stopped right there for just a moment, I'm not going to take long, but just a moment. If, we, if I ask you to vote by ballot who is going to heaven and who is going to hell, it would be interesting to see. Because most people in our society today would say the rich man. Why? Because he must be blessed by God because he's got all the fine things. He's got everything he needs. He doesn't need anything from anybody. Let's continue. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone comes to them, excuse me, goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and this parable that Jesus gave so many years ago and that we still can read today. It is my prayer that when we hear your voice, that our hearts would not be hardened to the truth. Father, that you would soften our hearts and speak to us as now our Bibles are open. What we do not know, teach us. What we do not have, provide for us. And what we are not yet, make us. For your word tells us, Lord, that you will complete what you have started. Father, you know our hearts. You know there are some here in this place this morning or maybe watching online. And you know they are in a perilous situation. Only you, Lord, can call to salvation. So it is my prayer that hearts would be stirred here this morning and call those to salvation who have not yet believed. Father, what we are talking about today is not an easy subject, but it is your word. 
So, Father, I pray less of me and more of thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends. You may be seated. What we got here is a parable taught by Jesus, which is given to us so that we would understand a greater truth, as he often did. And this parable is is tied back to the beginning of chapter 16, where you have the parable of the dishonest manager and how he... uh, handled money and loved money rather than loving Christ, then there is a great danger in loving the material over the, over the master. And we must love the master, Christ Jesus, above all else. There are a couple other things that caught my attention about this parable before we get into all those nice little points on your outline. First one is this. In verse 24, the rich man prayed, have mercy on me. I asked, how did a man in hell know that in order not to go to hell, he needed to repent? That's good theology. There's good theology in hell. We call that soteriology or the study of salvation, if you want to be technical about it, the process thereof. This guy, this rich man, he knows what some of you have yet to do when he called out, have mercy on me. He's asking, but now for him it's too late. According to some denominations out there today, this guy and Rich man, now in hell, has got better theology than some of the so-called gospel preachers we have today who don't ever call folks to repentance. Have mercy on me. Did you know that Jesus in the New Testament speaks about hell more than heaven? Three to one. We don't want to come to church today and hear a sermon about hell. Well, Jesus talked about it, so we do too. It's a reality. At some point along the way in our history, we seem to have softened our talking about it or to quit talking about it at all. But the truth is, there's coming a payday someday, and I want you to be ready for it. God wants you to be ready for it. He has done everything he can to get you to that point. And if you wait till that payday that's coming someday, it's going to be too late. There's probably a certain percentage of you this morning There is a certain percentage of you that are not going to hell when you die. You were at one point. That was your destination because none of us are born with our destination tag stamped heaven. We don't come out of mama's womb where the doctor slaps a sticker on our hind parts and says, this one's going to heaven. Look at him. He's so cute. No, that doesn't happen. So we're all destined to go there at some point, but... Something happened, right? At some point, you got saved. Maybe that was a while ago, and you've forgotten how rotten you were. You've forgotten how great, great God's grace really is. Maybe you've forgotten what you were saved from. Well, we praise God for Luke 16 to remind us. There's also my prayer that through this parable that Jesus gave us, that your burden for your one will grow in intensity when you realize what is ahead of Now, if you are not in that place and you have not been saved, then you are in the place of the rich man in this story. doesn't mean you have a lot of money in your bank account. It means that your soul, your heart is poor. You've put your trust in something else. You're not in good shape this morning. It's just like this rich man. There's something else about this parable that stuck out to me, is that death is no discriminator of persons. 
It comes for each one of us. It is an equal opportunity employer. Amen? We're all going to face it one way or the other, no matter how medicine tries, how hard they try. They can't save you. We will face it. Oh, they can bring you back with CPR and an electric shock, but it's only for a time. It will catch up to you. So let's look at this parable a little bit more in depth. Again, we've got two people. We've got a rich man and a poor man. The poor man's named Lazarus. We don't know the rich man's name. It's not given to us. It's not important. It's not the same Lazarus that Jesus brought back to life in John chapter 11. It's a different man. But we notice, again, that both men die. The poor man, Lazarus, had laid at the gate of the rich man. We don't know how long, but we know he was long enough for this rich man to know his name. The poor man laid at his gate with sores. He desired only to be fed from the rich man's table. And while the rich man would have had to go out to find him there at his gate and certainly would have allowed him to be at his gate, we don't know how often the rich man just walked around and paid him no attention. That poor man sat there at his gate where even the dogs, which at this point is an unclean animal in scripture, even the dogs would come and lick his sores. Could have even been the dogs of the rich man. Nobody knows. But that poor man dies and goes to heaven. There you have also the rich man. He had all the lovely amenities of life at his time, plenty of food to uh, to dine lavishly. He wore purple, which is a sign of royalty and wealth. He knew Lazarus because he calls out to him in the parable. He'd been exposed to the truth of the word because Abraham talks back to him and says, they've got Moses and the prophets, so he had heard the word of God. He died, and he suffers in hell in this parable. He looks across the great divide, and he sees there Abraham, and he asks for mercy. He asks for water. He asks for someone to go to his family so they will avoid this place of torment that he is now calling home. You got two people. Now we got two places. In Matthew 25, 33, Jesus said, I read it a moment ago, he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. There is coming a time where we will be separated. Jesus told another parable of the kingdom, the parable of the dragnet, where they bring in the load of fish that they drug up from the sea and they will be separated That's a constant theme about the kingdom. It's a constant theme about this day when Christ comes back, that there will be a separation. It's not going to be based on race. It's not going to be based on how much money you have or where you were born or what you look like, or it's not going to be based on what language you speak or where you, where you called home, or if you root for the Aggies or the other school, it don't matter. He's going to separate us based on whether or not you are in Christ or not. That's the deciding factor. He's not going to, it doesn't matter how good you've been in your life, how, how much good you've done for others. That's not going to get you in if you're not in Christ because your bad's going to outweigh your good. You can't keep up. There is absolutely no way you will be in the presence of a holy and righteous God if you are not in Christ. The only way we are in front and in the presence of a holy and righteous God is because of the righteousness of Christ, not our own. Two places, a separation is going to happen. Lazarus is taken to heaven by Abraham's side, which is code word for heaven. The rich man is taken into Hades, which is, uh, again, uh, referring to hell. Context helps us determine that. Jesus is telling this story. He believes in a real heaven and a real literal hell. 
When you die, you will go to one of these two places. There's no purgatory where people can pray you out or you can give enough to the church to get out. And unlike when you go golfing with Pastor Chris, there are no mulligans or do-overs. Hebrews 9.27 says, as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. There was a time in my life when I was like the rich man, not in my checking account and stock holdings, but in the fact that I was going to hell. I was on the left side of the judgment. I was a goat. Until someone shared the gospel with me. And in that gospel, I found a Jesus, the Jesus, who died on the cross in my place. That gospel is that Jesus became the curse for me. The curse was going to fall on me. The wrath of God, that was going to be poured out on me, the sinner in eternity. But Jesus Christ came. He drank the cup of God's wrath at the cross to become cursed for me and for you. Paul wrote, uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He made his son Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So basically, there was a time in my life where the wrath of God was going to fall on me, but Christ Jesus became the curse for me. I trusted in Christ Jesus at that moment, and so that my sin would be forgiven and I would spend eternity with him, and in this life that I have left, I walk with him daily. That's the good news, and it's good news for you today. For the wages of sin is death. That's the curse, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, and by God's grace, on January 5th, 1986, I walked down that aisle at First Baptist Church, George West. I took my daddy by the hand, who was my pastor also, and I said, Dad, I need to trust in Jesus. I need my sin forgiven. And he led me to Christ. And from that day forward, my life changed. There's a couple of truths that you realize about hell in this parable. One, it's eternal. Friend, eternity is a long time to be wrong. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Don't you want to know? Eternal life is found and secured in Christ Jesus, our Lord. My life changed on January 5th. Through the tears of my little broken heart, I still remember I could walk down and repeat it almost step for step because their sanctuary hadn't changed since then. <laughs> but on that day in my life, it was changed forever. A new relationship with my heavenly father through Jesus Christ. Now, my family will tell you I'm not perfect and I'm not claiming perfection and never would. They, they keep a record. They keep me honest. But I want you to know that by God's grace, I'm not what I was. And that's the same for many of you this morning, but it may not be for all of you. Something else about hell. It's a place of pain. 
The Bible says it's a place of torment. You can listen to what Abraham says here, excuse me, what the rich man says. He's looking for a quenching of his thirst. Jesus said that this is a place where the worm does not die. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 says that uh, the devil who had deceived them, was he's thrown into a lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay? Now, he also says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You get the picture. If you've ever grind your teeth or ground your teeth for a day just for no reason, you're stressed and you get the tension in your jaw, you might get a tension headache from that. You certainly wear down your teeth, you get calves. You know the agony is going to rule the day and that pain will never leave you. It's just going to be there constantly. There's no relief. Not only is it a place of pain, it's a place of sadness. Friends, there is no joy in that place. Joy does not exist and happiness isn't fleeting because happiness isn't there. Hell is no laughing matter. It is a place of isolation. Isolation means suffering. Here in the story, the rich man longs for Lazarus to come and bring relief, but he cannot. He is isolated from the quenching of thirst. It's a common misconception in line that folks give that, well, I'll just go to hell and party with all the other sinners. I'm afraid it's not going to be a party. It's a misconception. It's a place of separation. You know, there's lots of mornings when I wake up living here in Rockport and before we moved here, but there's lots of mornings when I wake up and the first thought that comes through my mind after I wake up and my brain starts working is Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, which is yet another morning to know his new mercies. And the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. I'm grateful to come this morning and to this amazing church and to worship with you and to pray with you, to fellowship with you. Our mornings around here in this part of Texas are often stunningly beautiful. I love waking up, seeing pictures that you all post or seeing my own as I'm out on my walks. But you know, there's not going to be a how you doing a howdy when you get to hell. It's a place of separation. Furthermore, why do we often tell someone you can go to hell? People aren't out there saying you can go to Krispy Kreme Donuts. You can go to Dairy Queen, right? Slightly better option. But people say, people say that because somewhere in our heart, God has put this place in there. He has written eternity on our hearts, says the preacher of Ecclesiastes. He has written it on our heart. And the truth is, church, we shouldn't wish this place on anyone. But we do that because we think it's reserved for the worst of us when actually it's reserved for all of us. But there's the other option. There is the option that God has made a way to fix what was broken in the Garden of Eden because that's where it all goes back to when that sin first came in and Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden. That relationship was broken. 
At that point, they were cast out. They were separated from the presence of God in the garden. It was a very special relationship. But everything God has done has has been to work, getting us back to that point to be in that relationship with him. And now Christ has made a way. John writes in Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Two places. Now we have two requests. Lazarus has nothing to say in this parable, if you've noticed that. But the conversation is happening between the rich man and Abraham. That's where we find that action. There's good prayers in hell. Did you know that? There is. There's two of them offered right here in this parable. The first request by by, uh, the rich man asked Abraham to have mercy on him. Send Lazarus to offer refreshment to cool my tongue to quench this agony, to bring relief from the anguish of the flame? The answer, of course, we've read is no. You trusted in your things in this previous life. You had your good things. You had your good times while he suffered. Again, this rich man knew Lazarus' name because he mentioned him. He calls him by name. Lazarus had sat at his gate. How many times had he walked around or ignored Lazarus, not offering any help? But his prayer for mercy is too late. If he would have prayed, have mercy on me, a sinner, before he died, things would have been different. Then he would have been with Lazarus. But he waited too late. The answer is no, for there is a boundary, a chasm in the expanse between the two. People, when you're in, you're in and you ain't getting out. It's going to be too late. The second request Send someone to my family. Not just someone, send Lazarus to my family. Now he cares about his family. He's become an evangelist. There's good priorities in hell. You understand the old saying, there ain't no atheist in foxholes. There's also not any atheist in hell. You may struggle to believe that there's a God right now, but beloved, you one day you will know, and it'll be too late. Everyone on earth and under the earth. The last I checked in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, everyone meant everyone, no one left out. You are not the exception. Oh, no, no, pastor, you're wrong. Christian, you're wrong because I've done enough good. I've put some change in the little red bucket so I won't go to hell. I came to church once or twice, three times a year. I'm good. I'm in. I helped. It's a big problem. Friends, your loved ones who have died without Jesus, if they could come back, they would certainly echo the request of the rich man. No doubt about it. They would urge you to repent, to turn away from your sin and turn to Christ. 
the testimony would be the same. Now we've got two problems. For the suffering that we all face in this life on various levels, there is a day coming when that suffering will pass away. We read it in Revelation a while ago. The first will be the last. The last will be the first. Suffering will give way to the glory of God. But the problems are this. The rich man wasn't able to change his location. It's permanent. For that great chasm is firmly in place that no one can pass from hell to heaven or heaven to hell. The second problem is that people who will not believe God's word will not even believe a great miracle like someone coming back from the dead. And so Abraham says, friend, they've got the word of God. They've got the word of Moses and the prophets. We learned last year, reading through the Old Testament, the word of Moses and the prophets all point us to Jesus. They had enough gospel in those scriptures to come to faith in Jesus. For many in that day, even when Jesus came back from the grave himself, many doubted. Those two problems, and yet there's still, 2,000 years later, just one solution. Friends, hell is full of people who never intended to go there. They had good intentions, but of course we know, as has been said, the road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. Verna was telling me of a time where uh, uh, she and Kevin were out on the road and they had read a bumper sticker, something like this. Some folks wait until the 11th hour, but their time to go was 1030. You don't know when that time is coming. None of us do. The rich man here failed to heed the warning, trusting in our stuff and our goodness, our morality, our wealth, or whatever else we are, anything else will not work. It will all fail. If history is doomed to repeat itself, then stop it right here, right now. Please learn and hear that all this is not going to save you. Some of you are hanging your salvation of Jesus plus something else. It isn't Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus and only Jesus. This man's money and his possessions couldn't buy him a place at the master's table. And it's not going to work for you either. There is but one solution to these problems, and that one solution is found in Christ Jesus alone. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are in prison. It's about midnight. They must have been waiting for the time change at 2 a.m. So they decided to praise and pray and worship the, the Lord and Savior and, and just have a little worship service there while they're in prison. And suddenly a great earthquake came. God responded to that worship. And here the jailer wakes up from his slumber because he couldn't stay awake with that extra hour gone. And he sees that the prison door is down and the jail is wide open. And he's about ready to kill himself. And Paul steps in and says, hey, wait a minute, we're still here. Shares the gospel. And the man's response found in uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? To which they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. What must I do to be saved? Well, you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that the judgment of your sin is hell when you draw your final breath. 
But I want to tell you again, that curse is dealt with by Jesus. That when you turn to Christ this morning, you confess that sin, that you're sorry, you're broken over that sin, and that you ask God to forgive you of that sin. For in Christ Jesus, that for sin is paid for, and in Christ alone. That you trust him to forgive you and bring new life. Friend, while you're still drawing your breath and your heart is still beating, I urge you this morning to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you men here this morning need to look at your wife and say, go with me. I need to come to Jesus. Ladies, some of you need to elbow your husband real hard, wake him up and say, I need to get to Jesus. Maybe some of the kids that are left in the room look at your mom and dad and say, it's time for me to give my life to Jesus. Let me finish with this. One, God loves you. Hell is a place that he has done everything he can to keep you out of. The Bible says that hell is prepared for Satan and his angels. On the flip side of that, Jesus said in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Lord, we don't know the way. Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father but through God the Son. Listen, you can spend eternity in a place not made for you, Or you can spend eternity in a place that was made for you by the one who gave his life for you. But it all depends on what you will do with Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information regarding Coastal Oaks Church, like service times, or what to expect upon your visit, go to our website at coastaloakschurch.org. May God bless you in the journey and the simple pursuit of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord.